TalkZone presents Two Guys and a Mic, your mid-morning break sports talk show. It's a passionate yet lighthearted look at the world of sports, featuring the coach, John Cohn, and the big dog, Joe Radwanski. They'll recap the games from yesterday, look ahead to the matchups tonight, and cover a lot more in between. Now, Two Guys and a Mic on TalkZone.com. And welcome to a Tuesday edition of Two Guys and a Mic here on TalkZone.com. Thank you so much for joining us. One hour, mid-morning sports break and more. Big Dog not in today. We do have J.B. Jordan Burnfield sitting in. J.B., great to see you. You're looking good uh, as per usual. Oh, well, it's great to see you, and uh, you're looking good as well. And I feel like I'm already... A established veteran of this new program is this is the third time I've been on this program already. You are becoming uh, clearly one of the friends of the family here on two guys in a mic. You were in, is that what you a call pop it? friend oh. of the program? Well, I was saying a friends in the family. Would that be a fop? Fop, yes. You could be a fop or a fop. I think I could be pretty versatile. I could probably <laughs> be both things. You've been called many things, probably a lot worse than that too. Yeah, probably words that begin with F, but you know. End with your own imagination. It is great to have you in the studio, my friend. Uh, our producer today, as per usual, my bodyguard, David Olson. We're with you right up until 11 o'clock Central Time here on thetalkzone.com. Our phone number is 888-463-6748. Hey, by the way, we forgot to mention yesterday, we played our first ever edition of Beat the Schmoes on Friday's of Football Friday show. Yes, I'm a big fan of Beat the Yeah, Shows. which we played on another program. And, the, you know, now that we're brand new here on the uh, Talk Zone, Friday was the first ever Beat the Schmoes. And let's just say the Schmoes lived up to their nickname. You guys got beaten. Huh? You guys well, got beaten? Well, actually, we didn't get beaten because the callers were even more Schmo-like than we were. Really? Yeah. Huh? We had an emailer, Swamp Rat, who I think went one and two. Caller Jim, who called in, went oh and three. This is picking college or pro football games against the spread. Yeah. And you pick any three games. Right. Okay. And if you beat the Schmoes, a tie goes to the dealer. We uh, send you a wonderful prize from our somewhat limited prize vault here at thetalkzone.com. <laughs> I started off my career, my career at talkzone.com going 0 for 3 and beat the Schmoes. I thought the Eagles might save me. Thank you very much. But uh, 0 and 3 and co-partner Brady Stiff, I believe, went. And actually, Brady went 2 and 1. Who did he take? Who did you take, first you of know, all? I got the notes here. Yeah. Let's you got see. lots of notes. Huh? I'm still finding my notes here. Kill yeah. some time. I know I got it down here somewhere. <laughs> well, did you take Iowa to beat Northwestern, or did you take Northwestern to beat Iowa? No, no, no. I or did neither all... one of you touch that game? No, I went all pro games. You went, oh, this is all pro games. Yeah. Okay, because I did, I actually, in my NFL picks on my blog, I actually did better than the other three guys on our site, but I only went seven and six. So none of us did well. Mm -hmm. I just did, and I'm usually bad, but I did the best among all of us who did fairly mediocre or bad this past <laughs> week. And there there were a lot of games that were interesting in terms of the spread. Seven and six against the spread. Yeah. That's not bad. That's it's, not it's, bad. It's not good. Would you rather bad. be the best of the mediocre or would you rather be the worst of the best? An age-old question. Um. I'd probably rather be the worst of the best. So if you were in a sports team or in a sports league, you'd rather play in the A League and finish last than to play in the B League and finish first. 
Um, wow. These are the hard-hitting kind of questions that we present to you here on Two Guys and a Mic each I, and every weekday. I would have to think about it, but I think I'd probably rather face the best competition. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, obviously you want to win, but if you win and you win the loser's bracket or the, the worst bracket, it mm-hmm. sort of cheapens the win. All right. Well, as bad as the schmoes were, we didn't get beaten, so we survived week one. We'll play that again on uh, Friday. Also on Tuesdays, each and every Tuesday here on Two Guys and a Mic, we uh, do something called Residue Tuesday, and that is we're able to pick up the things from the weekend, maybe some of the uh, sports comments that people might have had, thoughts maybe they weren't able to tune into yesterday's show. Starting tomorrow, Jordan, as you know, we look ahead. Right. There's no looking back, right? But it's sort of like Kirk Ferentz at Iowa. We do have the 24-hour rule. You can you can uh, celebrate a victory or agonize in a defeat for 24 hours after that. Move on to the next item. Yeah, well, I, what I wonder is what happened to Bob in Toledo, who called us last week and was professing his love for the Iowa Hawkeyes. Yes. I just want to know if he's going to be calling back this show because I'm sure that he is a little bit uh, upset after the weekend mm-hmm. in which the Windy City Kitties pulled off the big upset at Kinnick Stadium. If I remember correctly, Toledo Bob was a very confused individual because he was from Toledo, right? worried about the Iowa Hawkeyes, and a proud graduate of Tulane University in New Orleans. It was a very odd triangle, but we attract odd listeners to our program, and I'm proud to be one, an odd sports talk host. Yeah, I mean, it was a, it was a bizarre... Uh, pairing of teams, <laughs> to say the least. I guess in Toledo, what do you really got out there? You got the Mud Hens. Yes. You got uh, the University of Toledo football or whatever. They they can't be any good. So <laughs> I guess you have to start looking around the country for your teams because you're not getting them in Toledo. Yeah, spin the dial and come up. I'm rooting for the Iowa Hawkeyes. He, it was like he went on Wheel of Fortune. Yeah. And they just spun it to a, a team. Yeah. And he goes, you know what? I'll just be a fan of them. That was great to see, though. Speaking of Residue Tuesday, we'll pick up some of the college football games from the weekend uh, you mentioned. Big upset Northwestern knocked off Iowa. The number eight ranked team got knocked off. Oregon, number seven, got beaten. LSU, number nine. Penn State, number 11. Notre Dame, number 19. There were a lot of upsets in college football. Pretty cool uh, Saturday. Not so good for some top-level teams. Yeah, I mean, I'm not a Notre Dame fan. I root against them every week. I thought it was great that the Navy beat them again. Yeah. I mean, is there anyone that's less likable than Charlie Weiss? I mean, don't you want to see that fat toad lose games? Mm-hmm. Really? I mean, I, I hate to sound like that, <laughs> but he is such a smug and arrogant person. Yep. And every press conference, it's like, excuse me, I forgot that you're better than me, even though your football team doesn't win any games and you just get paid a lot to do it. Mm-hmm. And Navy runs the triple option on literally every single play. Their quarterback, I think his name is Ricky Dobbs, had three pass attempts in the game. Three! Two of them were actually long completions, one of which was the touchdown. But they run this triple option on every play. Fullback ran for like 150 yards. Running back runs for 100-and-something you know, yards. They've got the same offensive strategy on every single play. Notre Dame couldn't stop it. And you know what? Again, the Notre Dame offense, which got Michael Floyd back into the lineup, they didn't score any. They had seven points in the fourth quarter until they came back and tied the game. But Which is did, hard to believe because Jimmy Clausen passed for like 430 yards. Yeah. It's just so stat-wise, he had a great game. He did. They just couldn't get in the end zone. They they lose that game. That did surprise me a little bit. Mm-hmm. The other one that surprised me, LSU losing to Bama, that didn't surprise me because Bama is just a great team. But I thought that the Oregon loss 
was very surprising. Every year that coach, was the game to stand for where they yeah. lost. Like it was the final score was like eighty-seven to seventy-one. Yeah, it was like one hundred and seventy-three to yes. one hundred and seventy-two. It was just defense takes a holiday. Yeah, it was. You know what though? Every year it seems like Stanford pulls off some crazy upset win in the Pac-10 that screws everything up. Mm-hmm. I mean, last year they beat USC. This year they beat Oregon. It's like if you want to get to the Rose Bowl, you've got to go through Stanford. And the tree comes up with a big upset every year. you got to love the tree. Favorite mascot in all of college football, the tree. I mean, how can you be the Stanford Cardinal, the singular Cardinal, yes. and have a tree as your mascot? It's oh, almost... that tree looks very friendly and inviting. Oh, it's a cool tree. Yes. Great tree. I still remember. I can't remember which mascot it was, but some fandom inappropriately had their mascot urinate. Over the Stanford Cardinal tree mascot. I thought that was rude, <laughs> crude, and actually pretty funny. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, the, you know, the Stanford Cardinal always uh, able to come up with some big upsets, and but they also come up and they lay some eggs sometimes, yeah, too. Yeah, Jim Harbaugh, you know, his team is up and down. Ex-Chicago uh, Bear quarterback. Ex-Chicago Bear quarterback and Beautiful. brother John Harbaugh mm-hmm. with the Baltimore Ravens. Lots mm-hmm. of Harbaugh's around. Tim Harbaugh, the other brother, I think, working at uh, Baird and Warner downtown selling real estate. <laughs> Rusty Harbo, the younger brother, now working in a financial institution, and Clyde Harbo, the younger brother they don't talk about. <sighs> little community service for yeah. Clyde. Oh, you know what? It's, the, it's funny that you mention that because it always makes me think of that third Manning brother. You've got Archie Manning, who's Hall of Fame NFL yep. quarterback. You've got Peyton Manning, who at the end of his career Put may him be in the now. best. Why wait? Right. Put he him in right the, now. Well, I'm saying he, he may should be, the be best. enshrined to the Hall of Fame right now. He could end up being the best quarterback of all time he at the could. rate he's going. He's already top 10 all time. You've got Eli Manning, who's Super Bowl winning quarterback, very good NFL quarterback. Yep. Then there's the other brother. I did not know. There's another Manning. There's another brother Manning. No sisters? I, I don't, I don't know if they have sisters, but if you have a sister, that's not, you know, that's not that big a deal because mm-hmm. the, the probability of having both a, you know, a brother and a sister both being athletically, you know, gifted, Probably a little bit lower than two brothers, but you've got two superstar NFL quarterback sons mm-hmm. and an NFL super, you know, superstar dad, and then you've got this other brother. I mean, how how much would it stink to be him? <laughs> I mean, that's terrible. And for he's that just guy. he's out there somewhere. If anybody knows the whereabouts of the other Manning, what's he doing? I mean, could you imagine? Who is he? What is his name? I, I don't know. I mean, could you imagine if he's working like uh, you know? Uh, I don't know, $40,000 a year gig mm-hmm. is like, uh, you know, a bank teller at Bank of America, New Orleans, while his brother Peyton's pulling in like $180 million playing football, living in an estate in Indianapolis, and his brother Eli is probably living in a $7 million penthouse apartment in New York City, mm-hmm. and his father and mother are at all these games, and, you know, Archie, he's got to be doing well. And then there's the other brother. He's just there. I mean, think about Thanksgiving in that house. They just they all sit around the table, and Peyton's wearing his <laughs> huge gold watch, and Eli, too, and the other brother's got like yep. a disheveled dress shirt on. And, and George Peyton is talking uh, about, damn, that house I almost had sold last week but couldn't quite get it done. Yeah, I just could you yeah. imagine being that guy? George, go wash the dishes. <laughs> right, well, maybe we can send a search party out and find the other Peyton if you know where he is or. The other Manning. Huh? The other Manning. The other Peyton. The other Manning, yeah. thank you very much. Oh, David Olson, our... Uh, the bodyguard over here is going to get some of his people. Dave has got people, by the way. He does. And you oh, know, and yes, I'm so. glad that he's the bodyguard because he can yeah. be protecting you for, unless Tommy Harris decides to come over here and punch anybody. Yeah. Well, you know what? 
I might almost almost defend Tommy Harris, but before I do that, let me mention, again, it's Residue Tuesday. Any of the items you want to talk about from the weekend in sports, we mentioned college football, NFL football in our Chicago area here. We got some Bears fans who uh, didn't get all their lamenting out yesterday. We can lament. We can cry, we can feel bad for one more day, and then it is time to move on. And by the way, no rest for the weary because we're taking on the San Francisco 49ers on Thursday, so we got to bounce back quickly. You can email us at Mike2Guys at AOL.com, M-I-C, number two, Mike2Guys at AOL.com. Better yet, we are user-friendly here at the Talk Zone. Give us a call, 888-463-6748. Anything you want to talk about, and again, Residue Tuesday, we can pick up any of the uh, activities that happened over the weekend, including the big win by Zenyatta in the Breeders' Cup. Oh, well, I know that's right up your alley. The Zenyatta win in the Breeders' Cup. down the stretch they come. Here comes Zenyatta. I don't... I wouldn't know Zenyatta from a pinata, but all I can tell you is that Zenyatta, good, good for Zenyatta. For Last race. to first in the same race. Yeah, I... Even if you don't like horse race, anytime a female can knock off all the guys, the hot, these aren't just any guys, by the way. These horses were all the bigwigs. Right. These horses were strutting their stuff. No, I mean, it's, it's an impressive win. There's you're no in the, question. you're in the Breeders' Cup, you know, you're in the big race. I forget what that exact race is called, but if you're in any of the races in the Breeders' Cup, you're hot stuff. So these horses were walking around, you know, thinking they're big stuff, and Zenyatta laid low. Last to first, it was a wonderful story. 888-463-6748. JB in with the coach. We're with you right up until 11 o'clock Central Time. Uh, the Chicago Bears, another miserable performance. Jordan Burnfield, our local Chicago team. Before we look ahead to the San Francisco 49ers, any thoughts you have? And keep it clean. We are a family sports show. Yeah, it just... I mean, what what can you even say when you when you play a game like that? They Arizona didn't punt the football until almost the fourth quarter. I mean, think about that. That is, it's such a pathetic and embarrassing display again on defense. And Tommy Harris, you know, regardless of the fact, I've heard the the rumors that apparently Deuce Latouille, the offensive lineman for Arizona, was trying to take out his knee. Because he knows that's a soft spot for Harris because he's had all the knee problems in the past. He might listen, be the missing Manning. Maybe he changed his name. Deuce Matui could be. Could be the missing Manning. I'm we'll, just, I don't want we'll to spread rumors. We'll have to get an investigation on that. But yeah. it just, regardless of what he did, and I'm not defending Deuce Latui if that's what he did, because that's obviously mm-hmm. Bush if that's what he did. But you cannot punch a guy in the face and get yourself ejected and show that kind of behavior mm-hmm. in the first minute because I, the statistics... For the Bears, with Tommy Harris in the lineup, regardless of the fact that Tommy Harris has not performed up to his standard, versus when he's not in the lineup, are night and day. Which is weird, because he never makes tackles. Right. It doesn't seem like he's doing anything. Yeah, he'll get one or two tackles a game, but you are correct when he's out. The other team runs roughshod when he's in. They still run, but just shot, not quite rough. I mean, they've, they've allowed 86 points in the two games. That he has not played the Cincinnati mm-hmm. game and the Arizona game over this past weekend. And offensively, I've heard people criticize the Bears. Listen, they didn't play that well offensively, but Jay Cutler was able to hook up with Olsen three times for mm-hmm. touchdowns. I mean, there, there were some positives, even though they don't wasn't run the it, ball. Wasn't it fun watching Jay Cutler throw vertical instead of horizontal? Yes. I mean, down the field they went early too. Yes. And then that established Matt Forte a little bit. And yeah. again, I mentioned this on yesterday's show, you know, I think Ron Turner, maybe. 
I'm still new to the program. You're probably a regular TalkZone.com listener. He listens into some of the other shows. Probably heard our cry out for that last week, and he heard our cries and answered it. And I thought the, uh, with you, the offense, uh, no problems. Yeah, game I, plan I, very good. I mean, my, my final thing that I have to say about this game is that Lovey Smith. I mean, he the guy says he's going to take over the defense this year, right? Yep. Takes away the defensive coordinating responsibilities for the most part from Bob Babbage. He's yep. calling the plays. It's his baby, the Tampa 2, the cover 2, the no defense defense that he likes to perpetuate on the Chicago <laughs> Bears defense. It's it's time for this to be done, okay? The stubbornness that he has, and if that means firing Lovey Smith, fine. I have no problem firing well, of Lovey Smith. Of course you don't. You don't have to pay him $10 million. I'm, I'm, not saying, I'm not saying that the Bears will pay him, because they or that they will get rid of him, because they won't just pay him to leave. I know that he won't get fired. But... This stubbornness that he has to continue to run this just ridiculous defense out there that obviously does not work, okay, when teams are coming in and absolutely not just beating you, but destroying you two of the last three weeks. And against Cleveland, the only reason why they only gave up six points is because I'm a better quarterback than Derek Anderson, okay? In two of the last three weeks, they have played so badly on defense and have looked so enormously inept. At some point, you have to say, Tampa 2 don't work. Done. Get rid of this defense. <laughs> Make an adjustment. Learn that what you have out there does not work. And mm-hmm. I, I can't, it's like, it's like you cannot be excited about watching your team play, whether you're a Bears fan, whether you're a Colts fan, whether you're any team in the in the country's fan. If your team is struggling and your coaching staff is not making adjustments, then you cannot be excited about watching them play every week because it's going to be the same bad movie every Sunday, or in this case, Thursday for the Bears. The very essence of Residue Tuesday, folks, getting some of that frustration oh. out again. When the show's over, starting tomorrow, we look ahead. But right. uh, if you still got some angst, and if I you're a angst. Chicago Air Bear fan, you have uh, H.A., heavy angst. I mean, you got one big giant dose of angst if you're rooting for a football team out there and you're feeling good, not feeling so good. Either way, you want to talk about the games over the weekend, Residue Tuesday, we are right here for you, 888-463-6748. You can also email us at Mike2Guys at AOL.com. Jordan Burnfield in for the big dog when we get back. More fun to come in. We try to loosen this place up a little bit when we come back. Back in a minute. Time to get back to Two Guys and a Mic, your mid-morning break sports talk show. Once again, here's the coach, John Cohn. 
And welcome back, TalkZone.com. Two guys and a Mike JB and the coach with you right up until 11 o'clock Central Time. Uh, Residue Tuesday, talk, picking up some of the sporting events, talking some of the football games from the weekend. We also got NBA basketball here in the Chicago area. Chicago Bulls taking on the Denver Nugget. That's a pretty good matchup. It is a good matchup, and mm-hmm. I'm always... As a Syracuse graduate, going to be a little bit partial to Carmelo Anthony. Love Carmelo Anthony, even though he's had just a very rocky run, to say the least, in the NBA with uh, drugs and punching people at Madison Square Garden and all the things that he's kind of done to disgrace himself. I still am a big fan of his, and uh, it's always exciting for me when the Nuggets come to town because I love to get to watch him play. Averaging 31 points a game thus far into the season. Not a bad start for Mr. Carmelo. Yeah, I mean, he's a, he's an excellent scorer. Mm-hmm. He's an excellent player. Mm-hmm. You know, he's a guy who, you know, brought Jim Beheim his only national championship in the, what, 38, 39 years that mm-hmm. he's been at Syracuse. And last night, Mr. Beheim getting yes. his 800th career victory. Yeah, very nicely done. College basketball kicked off officially uh, last night. Yeah. Very exciting. We talked about that uh, yesterday, five, six months from now. It'll conclude with our favorite song of all in sports, one shining moment. Yep. The end of the college basketball season. It started on November 9th. It ends on March 31st, maybe at April one. And I don't know about you, Jordan, I don't know about you sports fans out there, but to me it's one of the favorite sports I've followed. To me it's six months, five months, whatever it might be, of great sports action. Absolutely love college hoops. So do I. I absolutely adore college basketball. I think it's such a fantastic product. It's so much fun to watch. The The games are just so exciting to to get to view because in college basketball, the style of play just lends itself to being more interesting and more fun to watch. Lots of three-pointers, you know, lots of good interior play, uh, not maybe back to the basket posting up like you'd see in the NBA, mm-hmm. but just good inlet passing, good spacing on the floor, very up-tempo type of game. It's, it's very enjoyable to watch, and, and the passion and the excitement and the atmosphere around all these games is generally unmatched in terms of basketball atmosphere. So, yeah, I mean, I, I love college basketball. I'm ready to go. Can't, North can't Carolina wait. knocks off Florida, uh, Florida International. These are some of the opening games of the college hoop season yesterday. Isaiah Thomas makes his coaching debut. Why they hired Isaiah Thomas, I am not sure, but uh, he's right there for you. And you remember that this was the game that Isaiah Thomas a couple of months ago had disputed that he didn't want to play. Do you remember this? <laughs> Briefly. Co- yeah, the Coaches versus Cancer Tournament yes. was... What began last night for Florida International and North Carolina, and Isaiah Thomas had argued that he didn't want to be playing North Carolina because he thought that they'd get the they'd get their butts kicked to mm-hmm. say the least, and so he was lobbying to play Ohio State only, and said that if they weren't going to play Ohio State, that they didn't want to be in the tournament, and then he obviously reversed his stance because it was coaches versus cancer, and he yes. couldn't bow out of a tournament tournament benefiting cancer research, so then they. Okay, I guess we'll play against North Carolina, and I think they only lost by what was it, eighteen last night? But apparently, and it was since a much... when does a coach get to determine who he plays in a tournament? It just you know because Isaiah, let Thomas, alone a first year coach, because he's a loud, annoying, yeah. bad coach. I mean, if you're Florida International, what were the merits of his tenure? with the New York Knicks, that would suggest to you that he should be anywhere near your program. Well, the Knicks were awful. Uh, they had a lot of terrible contracts that he acquired. 
Uh, they were the joke of the NBA. They were a national disgrace when Isaiah Thomas then had that drug thing and then accused his daughter of drugging him. So, like, where was the where was the one good <laughs> merit of Isaiah Thomas where Florida International said, you know what? We really want a guy who is a bad basketball coach, has acquired bad contracts, and also disgraces himself in the national media. We should hire somebody like that here at FIU. You know what? When Isaiah sits in your office and he sits down and he gives you that Isaiah smile that could melt ice in Alaska, I think that might have done it. The Isaiah smile. You could also look with uh, his illustrious career as not only uh, an owner, but he, he owned the entire CBA, right? You know, the Continental Basketball Association, which was sort of like the, the back then the only build-up minor league to the NBA. He bought the whole league in over four or five years, proceeded to run it to the ground, and basically the league folded under Isaiah and had to be re- right. restarted a couple of years later. Right, the NBA Developmental League, is that what that, that's what that becomes? Yeah, and I yeah. think the CBA might have... Uh, might have at least made an attempt to get back. Yeah, I just he's everything he touches just turns mm-hmm. to poison. I mean, uh, he well. is just. I mean, if you're FIU, what? Why? That's I just like to ask them. Just mm-hmm. you know, not going to accuse them of anything. Just why? Why uh, did you hire? Him? We'll see if our producer David Olson can find us the Florida International University fight song. I'm sure that'll be coming up in just a little bit. Ohio State knocked off Alcorn State. Evan Turner had a huge game. In fact, a triple double. I believe I read. And this is a kid out of the Chicago area. Yep who's going to be an NBA player. This is his final year at Ohio State, one would think. The second triple-double ever, only the second ever in Ohio State history, that's pretty good. That is good. And Evan Turner is a really good player. And Ohio State, you look at Thad Mata since he's been there as the head coach. He kind of... You know he's got he's definitely got the old school look to him and it he he's, always he's looks a like very he's, unlikely great coach. Yes, he's always like sweating profusely yeah. on the bench. It looks like he's just run for five hours, <laughs> but he is a really good recruiter mm-hmm. and has done a really good job of coaching them. I mean, I listen, would like they, to know what he does on his recruiting trip because you hear him talk and you look at him and he doesn't have the John Calipari, Rick Pitino, you know, flash and dance and pizzazz. Right. So you wonder what that does. I don't know if he woos I, I, the moms or, uh, you know, takes the kids out on the temp, but somehow yeah. he has recruited some outstanding players. He has. I mean, listen, if you're, if you're trying to recruit to Ohio State, I would think that the merits of that school alone are good enough. However, he has done a great job of recruiting those players, and he took a team to the national championship game with Greg mm-hmm. Oden and Mike Conley just a couple of years ago and lost to Florida. So, you know, this guy has really put Ohio State – has Ohio State been great every year? No. Are they top 25 every year? Not necessarily, but they are usually a good team to be reckoned with in college basketball since he's been there. Sadly, sadly, I'd like to report that I am old enough to remember Thad Mata as a high school basketball player. Oh, my gosh. I forget what school, downstate Illinois, and I remember his team made the state tournament. I had read about him, and then you watched him play. And then he came back and became a very successful coach. Yeah. I mean, listen, congrats to to Thad. I mean, the guy's Mm -hmm. done a nice job. Final college hoops game with Syracuse. You mentioned them knocking off Albany State. Jim Beheim is 800th collegiate win. We talk a little college basketball here on the Talk Zone. Opening day was last night. You want to talk some college hoops? Brief moment in time here, 888-463-6748. You can email us at Mike2Guys. That's M-I-C, number two, Mike. Two guys at AOL.com. Jordan, you look at the number 800, you say, wow, you go on and read the next item on the sports page, but you really need to go back and think. 
you know, in 20 win seasons, pretty good. Yeah. And he's, now, I'm not good at math, but there's a lot of 20s that go into 800. Yeah. It's, you know, he, I, I don't remember the exact statistic because when I was covering basketball there, I used to, I used to know it offhand, but I think that he's won 20 games in a season and 27 of his last 28 years or some ridiculous yeah. number like that. And, mm-hmm. and listen, it's a great accomplishment for Jim Beheim. And I think sixth, he's sixth on the all-time right, list. I he, he, uh, yeah, I mean, or cl- close to that. He, he mm-hmm. deserves a lot of credit for what he's done. But okay, as somebody who covered that program for four years, the one thing that you have to realize with that number, and, and this is true of every coach, but especially with the Bayheim, is that many, 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 many of those wins mm-hmm. have come against in-state inferior opponents. And I'm not trying to cheapen what Jim Beheim did because winning 800 mm-hmm. games is a fantastic accomplishment. But it does make you wonder whether Beheim is a little bit overrated as a coach over his career because of the fact that a high percentage of his wins have come against SUNY Albany like last night, Colgate, Cornell, Binghamton, you know, schools that are just not going to win against Syracuse. And furthermore, his only national championship in all those years was the one year that he got Carmelo Anthony and, you know, they had McNamara and Hakeem Warwick and an excellent team there and rode their way to the national championship of one. And you look at the other coaches that are on that list with Bayheim, and Jim Calhoun has won multiple national titles. So is Mike Krzyzewski. So is Bob Knight. So is Dean Smith. So is Adolph Rupp. I mean, all these guys have had more sustained excellence at the top than a Jim Beheim has. And Beheim, I think, has accumulated a lot of wins by having a system that works. You play 15 non-conference games against inferior teams. You run your record up to 13-2 and or something like that as you head into conference play. And then if you can find yourself... A little bit above 500 in the Big East Conference, you end up the season with 23 wins, and you all of a sudden go to the NCAA tournament. And so it's just a little bit misleading to me when I see 800 wins from him. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the life and times of Jim Beheim here on the TalkZone.com. Yeah. Syracuse grad Justin uh, Jordan Burnfield, who has written a book on Jim I, Beheim. I might as Jordan, well. the uh, what? I might as well. It's just you know, it was more importantly, that we how about many of his victories? How many of his victories have come after wedding his new wife, the much younger wife? And Julie how Bayheim. many of the victory? You notice in the middle of his uh, career, yes, he had a major slump. I mean, listen, Julie marriage Bayheim number would, one would, was huh? Julie Beheim would make me just be a better everything. In she life. clearly revitalized that two-three zone defense that Syracuse plays. Uh, she she did. I mean, <laughs> she got onto the court and started you know uh-huh. moving everybody around. And well, I don't know if she did, do. but in. Indirectly. 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 Yeah. Believe me, the 2-3 zone jumps to the ball a lot quicker <laughs> than it used to. And nobody, yeah. nobody can push a pair of glasses up on their nose more defiantly and more attractively than a Jimmy Bayon. Yeah. He's well, mastered that. That or the uh, the unusual suit combination of 
different colored <laughs> pants with the jackets. Uh, kind of looks like oh, he's goodness. back to that 1980s look where he used to wear those <laughs> checkered suits. Old habits die hard, huh? Yeah. Oh, man. Oh, Somebody needs it is to great. dress him. Julie needs to dress him. It is great to talk about college basketball. It's back here for us. That'll be one of the many topics we bring up on the TalkZone.com. It is two guys at a mic at your service. One hour a day, five days a week. That's five hours per week, Jordan. Shocking. Absolutely shocking that they let us have that much time on these airwaves. It, it is, but at, you know, at the same somebody time, somebody made a poor management decision. Uh, clearly, but at the same time, I I feel like this show goes by so quickly. I mean, yes. it doesn't it, Coach? It just well for us, yeah. Because I'm sure for the listeners, it's a painstakingly long I mean, 56 minutes. It's sort of like when you used to be in that high school physics class you hated, and uh. you just kept looking at the clock, expecting that 15 minutes would have gone by, and Brutal. all that's gone by is about a minute and a half. Brutal. That that's what it's like for our listeners, but. Mm-hmm. For us, we're having a grand old time. No question about it. And before we take a break, I mentioned we got to shake this place loose a little bit. We're still kind of getting used to the environments here at the Talk Zone. But, Jordan, we definitely, and I'm going to take it upon myself. I know the big dog, Joe Radwanski, when he joins board, and I hope you will uh, join ship with me. We definitely need to loosen this place up a little bit. We need to grease the skids huh? a little bit? We need to grease the skids. Uh, you know, we're starting. Yeah. Starting to get to our producer, uh, my bodyguard, David Olson. We call him the bodyguard because he is the strong, silent type. A shocking development last week, or I'm sorry, yesterday's show, we did get Dave to smile. That's, that's great. So we're working I'm glad on, to hear that. We're working on Olson. I feel he's coming around. But you walk around the rest of the uh, studios here, and this is a very beautifully kept up place. It serene. Is fantastic. The cleanliness factor is unbelievable, but there's just way too many people that are into their jobs here. Everybody's like in their office, totally focused. You, we need a holiday party, a Thanksgiving party. We got to bring these people out drink. We need to loosen up the talkzone.com. It is a well oiled machine here. But Too well oiled. You're looking for a little more anarchy. Absolutely. Uh, a little more just like wild and crazy. Okay. And, you know, a little more, you know, just kind of. Office space yeah, type uh, type environment. So uh, you, we you, need some water cooler conversation. The only problem is there's no water cooler. So you'd rather you got to go down to the bathroom and get the water in this place. Well, I think that the biggest problem is that it's like a maze to get over here. I feel like yes. the mouse and the in the in the lab experiments trying to yes. get into the studio. Yep. But I, what I would like to know <laughs> is that uh, you know. Would you would would you if you would prefer that guys are a little more loose, a little more hanging out? Yeah. You want to have Dave like playing Tetris and you know maybe knocking down the studio wall and putting his feet up on the desk. Might and, help. It's a start. Kind of like a little Peter Gibbons thing. Maybe he could show up wearing a Hawaiian <laughs> shirt and jeans on a Friday. That would be a start. Like I said, I think the least of our problems right now is our, our producer, the bodyguard David Olson. I right. Think he's going to protect us if nothing else. He's the bodyguard. Oh, there's no. That's no question. Yes. That goes without saying. Because neither of us is protecting yeah. us. Yeah, I just want to be protected and have a little bit more fun. But I think it's the rest of the people starting with the commander-in-chief, Chris Whitting. We're going to have to loosen up the Christopher a little bit. Okay. I've yeah. met him so once. That, that is my my goal, my directive in life. Everyone's got to have <laughs> goals and uh, objectives. And this is your goal? My English teacher said make sure you have goals and uh, adjectives. Yes. Or adjectives. Yes. But do you think that uh, do you think that maybe your goal is a little bit... You know, you could set your sights on something a little bit higher yeah, than. I prefer to set my sights low, and that way I can achieve my goals. That, that's been that's successful for me this far in life. Why change now? <laughs> All right, enough yeah. of that nonsense. It is Residue Tuesday. NFL games, college games, your team. You want to talk about it? Positive, negative, anywhere in between. We will do that. College hoops talk and more. We'll take a quick break here on the TalkZone.com. You're listening to two guys and a mic. Yeah. 
lines are open for your calls on Two Guys and a Mic. Call 888-GO-FOR-IT. Once again, here's the coach, John Cohn. And we do have uh, only nine lines open. If you want to squeeze in, we can try to get you in at 888-463-6748. JB Jordan Burnfield in with the coach here on Two Guys and a Mic on the Talk Zone Residue Tuesday. JB, there are issues. I know you've got all these notes and preparation in front of you. Which Any is Any items we have not got to. I don't want you leaving the show feeling like you have uh, unfinished business. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I have nothing on this table, and you have... <laughs> Two newspapers, uh, multiple was... sheets of paper with lots of scribbles all over them. What I would like to know, Coach, is how oh. you actually read your notes. Because to me, it just <laughs> looks like like a like a three year old like wrote yes. lots of shapes and colors all over this sheet of paper. And I'm not sure how one would actually go through mm-hmm. it all. But it's your system; it must work. Well, absolutely. It's, it's my handwriting is I, I developed my own handwriting system. I tried to teach a couple classes, but. Uh, Nobody signed up. But it, I basically <laughs> took script or cursive writing and combined it with printing. And I have developed my own manuscript, which basically only I can read. Back in high school or college, I never had to worry about people copying off my paper. So it's printive, sort huh? of. It's like You know, I never come up with a name for it, but the important thing is I can read it. And one of my, you know, the coach's hit list, one of my little... Uh, Pet peeves is people that I've seen letters or handwritten things with just absolutely gorgeous, aesthetically writing. Yeah. Which you can't understand. You can't really read it. You can't. You can't read well written. Well, some, but I don't know if you. I'm sure you, you. Some beautiful handwriting is easy to read, but there's others that have beautiful aesthetic handwriting, which is gorgeous, kind of script. But you, you mean know, like it's calligraphy. Small. Eh, it's not quite calligraphy, but but you can't read it. I I don't know where you're going on that. Well, but. so my my theory is with my writing, you know, if if you can read it, even if it doesn't look good, right? I mean, it just needs to be functional. Thank you. I'm just saying that if I took your notes, yes, of which I have none, but if I took your notes mm-hmm. and tried to appear prepped, it would be like reading another language for me. Mm-hmm. So it would be useless. It would be like if you put something in <laughs> Swahili down next to me and said, "Here's your prep." Enjoy the show. I, it would just, you know. And I was trying to paint a picture of you with pre-preparation papers in front of you. Radio is the theater of the mind, but you, uh, you blew the call. Yeah. You blew the guys, but, uh, you know, hey. I, sorry. I was just trying to, I was trying to inform our listeners on my lack of, uh, notes and prep here. Off the cuff show. sports talk. Sometimes the best. That's what we do here at the talk zone. Again, you can check in at 888-463-6748. NFL football over the weekend. Of course, there was a game yesterday. Yep. A pretty good one. The Pittsburgh Steelers knock off the Denver Bronco. The Bronco are starting to head back down where most people thought they would be. They're still a pretty good record. And the Pittsburgh Steelers, it ain't pretty, Jordan. They sort of symbolize Ben Roethlisberger, their quarterback. It's not pretty. You wonder how it gets done. But in the end, five wins in a row, pretty effective team, and they go rolling. Yeah, I think at the beginning of the season, they started off just a little bit stumbling out of the gate after their Super Bowl win. I mean, to lose to the Bears really looks bad now for the Steelers back a, a few weeks ago. But I think that the Steelers are just a great team. They're a great organization. They have a great coach in Mike Tomlin. They have a great quarterback in Ben Roethlisberger, and I know that he doesn't always get mentioned atop the list of great quarterbacks in the NFL, but he should. Productivity. Right. He gets it done. He wins. He's a good quarterback. He doesn't turn the ball over a ton. He's just an excellent player, bottom line. And yesterday, 
everyone was kind of saying, well, the Steelers don't run the ball effectively. They've become this high-flying Steelers passing game, and, you know, all of a sudden they're not the old Steelers anymore. Well, they kind of showed everybody up last night by having Richard Mendenhall rush for 155 yards Mm -hmm. and playing fantastic football again. And Ben was good again yesterday. I mean, yeah, he threw a pick or, yeah, the fumble recovery for a touchdown. Not so great, but... The guy, you're right, I mean, they don't always get it done, maybe in the prettiest of ways, but they get it done, and they are such a good team. On the other side of that, though, a lot of people in this area are now wanting to hammer Kyle Orton because, you know, it's kind of back to to where we kind of saw him being a guy that if he had to handle it himself, that he wouldn't be able to do it. And 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 they're right. I mean, the thing is, Kyle Orton is, is, is a really good game manager. He's a really good game managing quarterback. If you have a good defense for Kyle Orton to work with, and you and your defense performs well, and all you need Orton to do is make a few plays here and there, he will win you a lot of football games. But over the last two games, all of a sudden, Denver's defense doesn't look so hot anymore. And now that that's happened, and the pressure is more on Orton to make plays to win without a running game, you know, it's kind of back to what we knew Kyle Orton is. Mm-hmm. He's a good quarterback if given the right system. And if not, he's going to throw three picks like he did last night in the Steelers' victory on Monday night. 28-10, final score of that game. By the way, one of the stars of the game, you mentioned him, Rashard Mendenhall, played his high school football exactly about seven minutes down the street from our auspices here at TalkZone.com, Niles West High School, right in the vicinity, and, uh, of course, was a heck of a college player at the U of I, too. So yeah. nice to see him having some success professional level. Yeah, Rashard Mendenhall, I actually remember when I was in high school at Deerfield, and Niles West came to play Deerfield, mm-hmm. and we beat Niles West, but Richard and his brother Walter must have combined for 500 yards rushing. Yep. It was such an amazing thing to watch, and Richard, I mean, you could clear, clearly see he was the better brother, although Walter ended up in Illinois, too, and was mm-hmm. one of their backup fullbacks, but... Richard was just one heck of a player. Just It sort of looked like, did you ever see the movie The Express, yep. the Ernie Davis movie? Mm-hmm. Remember those clips where they show... Ernie Davis just making all those moves and just blowing past the defense, and he was just into the open field all on his own. That's what it was with Richard Mendenhall. It was that same kind of running style where he could make whatever move he had to make to just get by the defense of Deerfield and just run his way to the end zone. The only problem for Niles West is they never had a defense, so we won the game. <laughs> One of those 81-74 games. Yeah. So, uh, to get the full impression of, of that kid, you had to see, you know, in football pads, he looked like a big, strong guy. Yeah. But when you went to a high school basketball game, and he didn't have a very illustrious basketball career. I think his senior year, he did not play to concentrate on football. But when I went to watch him as a sophomore and junior, and you saw him in a basketball uniform, yeah. oh, my God. Yeah. I mean, he had a – it was literally men playing against boys. And then you could picture – I mean, he was just so – Built and so muscular as a 16, 17-year-old kid, you could just see on the football field that there's no way some kid from Deerfield High School is going to be able to tackle that guy. No. And yeah. he, he was physically mature beyond his year. Now he's developed. You know, when, when you're that good that early, it's like you as a broadcaster. You were so brilliant at your early years that you almost <laughs> coasted. Now you got to step your game up a little bit. As a high school athlete, when you're that much more physically mature, you get away with things. And I think at Illinois he had to adjust as the players got Caught up to him a little bit, body size, speed, and strength, you have to adjust your game a little bit. He's done that at the NFL level. Yeah, I think that Richard Mendenhall really has looked good, and I think 
it's it's interesting because the Steelers are just such a good organization. They're just such a well-run machine. I mean, think about it this way. Willie Parker was their running back going into this year. Mm-hmm. Richard Mendenhall got hurt last year, missed the year, and Willie Parker right. for a few years has been a great running back in the NFL. And when this they year, drafted him, it was who was Willie Parker. Exactly. Out of North Carolina, which he refuses, by the way, to admit. Really? Until he hates the University of North Carolina wow. because they didn't give him. He was a like a backup. Yeah, he, they didn't give him the opportunity he felt he deserves. Mm-hmm. And when they introduce the players on Monday Night Football or mm-hmm. Sunday Night, where they have to say their college, he will not wow. say his college. He will say his wow. high school. Yeah. Wow. So it's hates a it. little bit similar, although I don't think. Pierre Thomas has that distaste with Illinois, but a similar situation with Pierre Thomas. Right, he was splitting time with E.B. Yes. Halsey. Remember that? Couldn't couldn't get on the field for Illinois, and now he's a star for, oh, the best team in the NFL, the New Orleans Saints. Yeah, it's just that, you know, the Steelers are so well run because you have a guy in Willie Parker who's already a great running back. He goes down, Mendenhall goes in, and he's great. I mean, it's just, the Steelers just find ways to put whatever personnel they need to into positions to do well. Just like the Patriots, you know, when they had mm-hmm. Earthwind Moreland playing cornerback and fire and ice on the, de- you know, on the defensive line. It just, whoever they had in there, it didn't matter because they were just a really well-run team. And mm-hmm. you look at teams like, you know, locally the Bears, if somebody goes down, it's chaos and havoc and they stink. And it's just... You know, maybe the the disparity in talent level is 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 great between the Steelers and the Bears, or the Patriots and the Bears, or some of these elite teams, and and some of the more mediocre teams in the NFL. But you know, when an NFL team is well run, when you can almost insert any piece to the puzzle and they can do well. Mm-hmm. And don't forget the coaching aspect too. If you look, you want to compare our Chicago Bear oh. and the Pittsburgh Steelers and the cities, night and, and day, and the football traditions are are pretty similar. I yep. think what the Pittsburgh Steelers stand for is a little bit of what the Chicago Bears theoretically stand for. And, and to, just to add to your uh, comparison, Bill Cower, yep. coaching the Pittsburgh Steelers, the Chicago Bears had Dick Duran. Yeah. Bill Cower leaves the Pittsburgh Steelers. The Steelers hire Mike Timlin, strong. Mike Tomlin. Tomlin. Mike Strong, uh, strong, yeah. silent type, similar to the Bears who hired Lovey Smith. But the difference in production and how they have achieved as coaches uh, could not be more different. I just, I love Mike Tomlin as a coach. Yeah. I mean, he's such an impressive guy. I mean, when you listen to him talk in press conferences and with the media, mm-hmm. he is a guy who makes me, as a fan, think I would want to play yes. for him. You know what I mean? You, you know how yeah. there's certain coaches that you watch, and this happens a lot in college especially, because of the whole recruitment aspect, that I, you know, I once covered Big Ten Media Day, and I don't know if I ever told this story on the air with you, but I, I covered it two or three years ago, I want to say, and it was one of the first years that Tim Brewster had been hired as the Minnesota football coach. And he stood at the podium at the the Hyatt downtown and talked about his football team and the new stadium that they've now opened and all this stuff about what the future of the program held. And I was sitting there, still in college at the time, saying, I want to play football and Minnesota. This guy has sold me. He is so fun. He is so exciting. He's so impressive. If I were a college football player, I would want to go to Minnesota to play for this guy. Mm-hmm. And when I watch Mike Tomlin in press conferences, you know, he's obviously not recruiting because they don't do that in the NFL. But I watch him and I watch the way that he acts and the way he performs and the way his teams are always prepared. And I say, if I played in the NFL, I'd want to play for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Mm-hmm. And there's no way I would want to play for Lovey Smith and the Bears. It's just, it's not even a comparable situation. 
You know, he's just such a really impressive coach. I'm a big fan. And even though uh, there's not recruiting, right? Technically, at the NFL level, don't kid yourself. In this day of free agency, right? And even with NFL draft picks, there are players that can find a way to play for certain coaches and not for other ones. Having said that, now most of the players do speak very highly of Lovey Smith. I think they like his character. I think the message that Lovey Smith gives is is a good one. I think he's yeah. solid character-wise, yeah. and I think the messages he gets, but it just doesn't click. He doesn't have that that motivational, that extra charisma, if you will, that guys like Tim Brewster and Mike Tomlin might have. Yeah, you know, it's just, it's just to me, I think that sometimes people overblow the importance of a coach being media savvy, you know, that they necessarily have to be. But for me, where I come down on that is – if you're winning, you can be whatever you want, okay? If your team, if the Bears were 6-2 and two or 7-1 and one right now, I wouldn't really care what Lovey Smith is or is not in terms of character if they're winning. But it is worse as a fan or as, a, as somebody in the media when you have a team that's losing and you have a coach who is somewhat smug, not necessarily charismatic, not the most engaging person. As a fan, you sit there going, well, what do we have here? You know what I mean? And I think that that with coaches, personality is very important, especially when you're losing. And nothing that Lovey Smith has done or like it, you know, some of these other coaches that are losing have done, it they don't make you feel reassured as a fan that things are going to be better when you listen to them talk. And I think mm-hmm. it's a very important aspect. But you of said coaching. you said something interesting. I want to make sure I got it right. And again, you want to join the discussion here, talking a uh, little NFL football residue Tuesday comparison of coaches. JB and with the coach eight 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 four six three sixty seven forty eight. The phone number still a few minutes to get in here on the talkzone dot com. You can email us at mike two guys at aol dot com. You said if your team is winning, you don't care what message or what lessons or what character the coach might have if we're winning. No, I I I care less. We'll put it that way because okay. the thing is, if you're listen, if you're if you're a rude guy and you're a jerk and you know you're not and you and you're just inappropriate mm-hmm. and you're winning, that's obviously never. There's never a case where you want a guy to be rude and inappropriate. Yeah. But I'm saying, if Lovey Smith, when Lovey Smith was winning, for example. No one cared that he was kind of smug. No one cared that he was kind of not so charismatic. No one cared about the deficiencies in personality at all because they were winning games. Who cares, right? But when they're they're losing Mm -hmm. and they don't look good and they're getting destroyed two out of the last three weeks and you get the same thing, it becomes much more frustrating as a fan to have to listen to that. I I think that in, in sports in general... It, it may be sad to say this, but it's it's the case, in my opinion, that when you're winning, most things can sort of be let slide, right? You know, Bill Belichick is, is by most accounts, a jerk, but the Patriots win. So everybody in New England lets it slide that he's not a nice guy, right? But if the Patriots stunk, do you think anybody would want Bill Belichick to be going up to these press conferences saying nothing and putting down reporters for asking stupid questions to the genius? The right? hooded sweatshirt of a Bill Belichick would not nearly be as popular if they were 4-12 and 12 Exactly, the right. Yeah. I mean, winning cures most things. It's just like, 
you know, with the with the Milton Bradley thing over the past baseball season with the Cubs. If the Cubs were ninety seven and sixty four again, like they were in two thousand eight, mm-hmm. would have would there have been such a you know, outcry over Milton Bradley? Probably not, right? Because if the team was winning, you could put aside your differences with him. It's just like anything else. I think that, but but these coaches. It's amazing how the strong, silent approach worked. Yeah. When you're winning. Yeah. When they in the Super Bowl year, everybody thought, oh, the brilliance of Lovey Smith. Right. You know, and, and, and now and, look where he is now. Yeah. That what same... would his Q rating be now compared mm-hmm. to what it was when he was in Miami in Super Bowl? What was it, forty-one or whatever mm-hmm. it was? Yeah, not quite the same. By the way, you mentioned uh, in passing baseball and. Uh, some of the trades, the winter meetings, shall we say, with the GMs are going on right here at the O'Hare Airport. They didn't go down to Florida. They're not out in California. Usually they pick some nice yeah. sunny spot to go have cocktails and talk trades, but there are baseball GMs hanging out at the O'Hare Hilton Jordan after the show, I'm assuming. You will go and rub elbows with some of the top GMs in baseball. You know, I, I will not be there today. I have to say the GM meetings, are the, the, the GM meetings private or are they... Uh, are the, I think they're a private. Well, meetings, even right? if they're private, uh, I guess it's not. I could, it's not against us to crash the party. Right, we could snoop around the hotel, I guess. But it's you know, I, I've heard all these rumors about Milton Bradley potentially being traded in a three-team deal that would send uh, Bradley to the Blue Jays, Luis Castillo to the Cubs, and mm-hmm. I forget who would be going to the Mets. Um, I, I don't remember, but the I've, I've tried to spread the rumor the Mike Fontenot for Alex Rodriguez uh, trade. <laughs> yeah. That's, yeah. that's I like, put it out there. Yeah, it's like one of those meatball callers that calls into a sports talk show in the middle mm-hmm. of June when the team's not performing. Yeah, yeah. why don't we trade for Alex Rodriguez? Why don't we give him a couple of minor league guys and uh, we'll make the deal? I mean, you think the Yankees would do that? Mm-hmm. You know, it just... Yeah, I, it just. Yeah, he's up. Choi's got a lot of potential. Can we trade him to Toronto? Maybe pick up Roy Halladay. That would help our pitching <laughs> yeah. staff. Yeah, I just, you know, the, the winter meetings come yeah. up. Next month in December, and certainly more things may happen between now and then. Um, but, you know, the GM meetings are – the one great thing about baseball, Coach, and, and, you know, I'm a huge baseball fan, as you know, and I'm that's my favorite sport over anything else, and, and I don't know where, where it ranks for you, but I, the one great thing about – well, there's many great things about baseball, but one of the great things about baseball is that in the off season, it's still as compelling most of the time – as the regular season and the playoffs, because mm-hmm. there's so much movement and so many rumors it's, and so much that could be happening that it's so compelling to find out where all these guys it, are going to go. It's become a second season. Yeah, the hot stuff. Yeah, when you reconvene in February or March, you got a lot of baseball writers that will rank the teams. They'll have like a championship of who did the best in the off season. Right. So it's you're right. It's, I don't find it quite as fascinating as you, oh, I quite frankly. It. But it has in fact become a Almost a season, a sport unto itself. Right. And you know what? And I love it, too, because my buddy who works at the NFL, at the uh, MLB Network, you know, he's able to keep his job through the offseason because mm-hmm. there's things to do in Major League Baseball in the offseason. And mm-hmm. so it's just, uh, you know, it's I, I love it. And I, I'm excited to see what kind of because, you know, that some kind of deal is going to happen. So as excited as you are, you will not be uh, having cocktails at the O'Hare Hill. Can't do it. Unfortunately, yeah. got to work. Not a bad place to have cocktails, by the way. You know, maybe not, but if you're going to have the GM meetings in Chicago, yeah. why have it there? I mean, nothing against the O'Hare Hilton 
it's a it's a nice hotel, but mm-hmm. just you know, location wise, why no. not have it downtown? <laughs> I mean, you're having it at the airport. It just seems kind of these are these are busy bizarre. people. They have little time to waste. You get your meetings done. You, you know, in your room, boom, back in the airplane, you're out of there. Yeah, I guess. All right. Hey, JB, great to have you in studio today. We do want to thank our producer today, David Olson, my bodyguard. We'll be back tomorrow at 10 o'clock. Mark Carmen in the house. Thanks for listening, everybody. Have a great day. Veterans Day special tomorrow. TalkZone.com. We'll see you at 10 tomorrow. Don't be late.